Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to your regularly scheduled episode of Unnatural. You sound a lot better this week. I don't feel it. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I think whatever sickness I had turned into a sinus infection. So while I sound a little less stuffy, I feel... Like, I just want to simply unalive myself. But if I did that, we wouldn't be here to entertain you, except for that one guy every week. So I'm going to stick around. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here. And maybe like last week, talking about murder will make you feel better. I, You know, it might. It usually does. Bec- it does. You're kind of sinister like that. So I have my um, fruit wine. Oh, good. Watermelon flavored. It's pretty good. Is it? Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? Today, Emily, we are going to the Appalachian Trail, or as some say... Everybody who I... I would just like our listeners in the Eastern You want them region, to vote? I would like them to know that I am aware it is pronounced Appalachian. I think it's an either or thing. No, it's not because all of the people that live there pronounce it with the ch. And if you live there, I'm pretty sure you would know. So should I just because I'm going to be saying the name quite often? Should I just start saying Appalachian? Yeah, because I said Appalachian during one of the cases that we had that took place. It sounds weird parts. though. It, it does sound weird when you're not used to saying it that way. All right, but- fine. Maybe I'll just interchange the two. How about that? Do whatever makes you happy. I just <laughs> want the people out there to know that I know how to pronounce it correctly. All right. Fine. Fine. Well, Emily, now that we've decided on how to pronounce it, the Appalachian <laughs> Trail is a hiking trail that spans approximately 2,200 miles along the Appalachian Mountains in the eastern United States from Georgia in the south, all the way to its northernmost point up in Maine. The trail passes through 14 states and is maintained by a coalition of federal and state agencies, as well as private organizations and volunteers. It was completed in 1937, and since then, it has become one of the most popular hiking destinations in the entire world. It's one of my dreams to actually at least hike part of the trail. Each year, around 3 million people visit it, some of them hiking just small areas, while others attempt to hike the full 2,200 miles. Mm -mm. The vast majority of the people that go onto the trail go there without incident. Now, occasionally, there is some sort of emergency. Usually, it's some sort of a medical emergency like somebody had a heart attack or something like that, or maybe somebody veered off the trail during bad weather and got lost. But murder on the trail is a rarity. In fact, there's only been six confirmed murders that have taken place since it opened. Well, Randall Lee Smith is known for committing one of the most heinous crimes in the history of the trail. It took place in a remote area of the Shenandoah National Park in the Virginia section of the trail back in 1981 and shook the hiking community to its very core. 
This is the story of Randall Lee Smith, the Appalachian Trail Killer. Emily, the murders of Robert Mountford Jr. and Laura Susan Ramsey were a shocking and tragic event that took place on the Appalachian Trail back in 1981. The two hikers were young. They were camping in a remote area of the Shenandoah National Park when they were brutally attacked and killed by Randall Lee Smith, who was kind of a drifter with a history of mental issues, mental health issues, and criminal behavior. Now, Smith's background is a little bit murky, but he was known to be an outsider. He grew up in Parisburg, Virginia, which is just off the trail. And it's said by hikers at the time that he would kind of wander around the parts of the trail nearest to his hometown in kind of a creepy way. Apparently, everybody knew to stay away from him even before these murders. These hikers would talk to each other. Yeah. And they would be like, hey, when you're going by Parisburg, watch out for this creepy guy. He was just one of those people. Yeah. It also might not surprise you that Randall had spent time in and out of jail for various offenses. These included theft and assault. He was also a diagnosed schizophrenic who had been hospitalized for mental health treatment on several occasions. Now, despite this, he was still able to obtain a pistol, which was the weapon he used to carry out the murders. Robert Mountford Jr. was a 27-year-old social worker from Maine who had a passion for hiking and exploring the natural world. Laura Susan Ramsey was a 24-year-old recent college graduate who shared Robert's love for the outdoors. So the two had met actually while hiking the trail earlier, and they decided that they were going to go do a multi-day hike together in May of 1981. And from what I read, it sounds like the two of them we're actually going to hike the trail in an effort to raise money for a school for mentally challenged children run by Robert's mother back in Maine, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that is super cool. The attack by Randall Lee Smith was pretty sudden and very brutal. He was armed with a 22 caliber pistol and he surprised the two hikers at their campsite. He shot Robert in the back of the head with the pistol while bludgeoning Laura with a big piece of iron over her head before stabbing her repeatedly until she died. And there is also speculation that he sexually assaulted her, Mm -hmm. 
but that couldn't be proven because by the time they found her body, it was impossible to tell, which we've seen in other cases. So after killing them, Smith wrapped both of their bodies in their sleeping bags and buried them in a shallow grave. He then fled the scene, leaving the bodies to be discovered several days later by another hiker on the trail. Now, as you can imagine, the murders sent shockwaves throughout the hiking community and the country at large. This was a national case. The Appalachian Trail had long been considered relatively safe. And the brutal nature of the attack was pretty unsettling for the people who lived around there and the hikers themselves. It highlighted the potential dangers of hiking in remote wilderness areas and spurred calls for increased safety measures and awareness campaigns. Now, authorities pinpointed Randall Lee Smith as a suspect after finding his fingerprints inside one of Laura's paperback novels. Unfortunately, Randall was nowhere in the vicinity when the, after the murders took place. Police searched his home and found a note, and the note claimed that he had been abducted by two people who were going to kill him. I'm assuming by writing this note and getting the hell out of there, Randall figured that that would be enough to keep him safe, keep the authorities off his trail. But fun fact, it wasn't. No, I know. You can't, you can't just write a note be like, oh, if you were looking for me for these murders, nope, I was abducted myself. That's So fine. it wasn't me. I promise. He was actually tracked down and arrested in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina a short time later. Once he was in custody, Randall suddenly began showing signs of amnesia claiming that he knew nothing of his past. But as you can probably guess, after a number of psychiatric evaluations were performed, it was determined that that was indeed a lie. Randall Lee Smith was taken back into custody in Virginia, and the hikers on the Appalachian Trail were once again safe. So what was the motivation for the crime? Well, there's a few theories out there. But one of the prevailing ones is the prosecutor who led the prosecution against Smith during his trial, along with an acquaintance of his, they kind of had a theory that Randall, because of his almost complete lack of experience with women, mm -hmm. became romantically obsessed with Laura Susan Ramsey because she was friendly to him when they met in a store along the trail. And I guess he tried to flirt with her, but Robert Mountford interrupted them. And I'm yeah. sure she was like, thank God. <laughs> um, and then it is theorized that he, that's when he followed the two back to their camp and killed them. So maybe Robert was like, dude, back the fuck off or something like that. And it pissed him off or something. So let's fast forward to 2008. In May of that year, Scott Johnson and Sean Farmer 
went out for a buddy's trip to Dismal Creek, Virginia, which doesn't exactly sound like the ideal place for a relaxing getaway, Dismal Creek. But apparently, it's known as a great place for fishing and camping. And it's located just off the Appalachian Trail. And that's exactly what Scott and Sean intended to do. That is until they ran into Randall Lee Smith. Now, Emily, you might be thinking, but Andy, you just said that Randall went to prison for a double murder. You don't just get out of jail for a double murder, right? Of course not. Well, in Randall's case, you do. Oh, good. While the state believed Randall to be rehabilitated and harmless, he most definitely wasn't. And instead of the buddies trip like they planned, Scott Johnston and Sean Farmer's fishing trip would be a fight for survival. You see, when Randall went to prison, he agreed to a plea bargain. It seems that the prosecution was a bit worried that some of the evidence that they had on him was maybe circumstantial and might not hold up in trial. And Randall, on the other hand, was presumably worried that he might get the death penalty. Oh, good. The two sides decided to come together just a day before the trial was set to take place and a plea bargain was set up. The terms were that he would serve 30 years for the double murders, which that in its own right seems pretty damn light to me. Yeah. To make matters worse, he was released in 1996 after just 15 years for good behavior and put on mandatory parole. Mm. You hate to see that, especially knowing what might come next. Yeah. I don't think murderers should get out of prison early for good behavior. I generally tend to agree with you, unless it's maybe self-defense or... Then you're not really a murderer. That's true. Or maybe a juvenile who commits murder. We've seen cases where a 15-year-old was involved with a murder or something like that and 20 years later they're out of prison. You know, something like that. Uh, that's a fair argument, but you, you, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And as you can imagine, when he was released after just 15 years for two murders, this outraged the victims' families, whose protests seemed to go basically unnoticed by the Virginia justice system. Of course. Randall Lee Smith was given an ankle bracelet and sent back home to live with his mother, where it was agreed that he would be monitored for another 10 years. With an ankle bracelet? Yeah, and and mandatory visits to his parole officer and stuff. 
he was going to have to wear the bracelet for 10 years? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that, that that's going to leave a mark, isn't it? Yeah, that seems excessive. I imagine that would get very itchy. But whatever. I'm sure he was just happy because he was out. Yeah. And you might be surprised to hear that initially upon his release, Randall was pretty quiet. He kept to himself for a number of years in his mom's house, hidden away from most of the town. Even once some dumbass decided to take a book that was written about the murders years before to Randall's door and asked him to sign it, <laughs> but he refused. I don't, I don't know what the hell that guy was thinking. Yeah. It's almost as if he kind of blended back into society. That is until 2008. Now, let's go back to the story with Scott Johnston and Sean Farmer. While they were fishing, Scott and Sean met a guy and struck up a conversation with a man by the name of Ricky Williams. This, of course, was Randall Lee Smith. But for whatever reason, he decided to make up the name Ricky Williams. And this was kind of par for the course for Randall, since according to his peers, he lied about virtually everything. He was a pathological liar, so much so that he was kind of known around the area as Lion Randall. Not exactly the nickname you'd you'd aspire to have. Mm -mm. So Lion Randall arrives out of nowhere, by the way, looking like a skeleton, like he hadn't eaten for days. And they also thought maybe he was an alcoholic. And he's got a fishing pole and a dog with him. And he told Sean and Scott that he was an engineering graduate from Virginia Tech. But even though they just met the guy, they could tell that he was full of shit already. So the two fishermen, both of whom were in their early 30s, more than anything, kind of felt sorry for the guy. And they're, you know, inviting him to dinner because, like I said, he looked like he was malnourished. And what did this kind stranger do in return for their generosity, you might ask? What? Well, he decided to pull out his twenty-two pistol and started firing at them, of course. Great. So when I was researching this case, it jumped out at me that he used a twenty-two caliber pistol in both of the shootings. The 1981 murder, he used a 22 caliber pistol. And then in this 2008 murder or attempted murder, he used a 22 caliber pistol. And I was like, that's weird. And I looked into it and it did come to light afterwards that during the first murder, his gun was never found. They just knew that it was a 22 because of the shell casings and the bullets. And it is believed that the same gun was used in both incidents, which I thought was, they did, they did confirm it much later. Anyway. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. and wanted to throw that in there, but not surprisingly when he started shooting at them, this took Sean and Scott completely by surprise. And the two men received two gunshot wounds apiece. 
shooting Sean in the head and the chest and Scott in the neck and the back, which both of those sound fatal to me. Yeah. But somehow, somehow, Sean Farmer was able to survive the attack and he mustered enough strength to get in his Jeep before Randall Lee Smith could shoot him again. Scott Johnston also amazingly got away and staggered into the woods. Eventually, he found a road and as luck would have it, his buddy Sean came driving by in his Jeep and picked him up and the two got the hell out of there and away from Randall Lee Smith. Just amazing that they got away. Yeah, it, it's like it's it's amazing what adrenaline can do and like what some people can survive. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Just when you're in that moment, you wouldn't think somebody would even be able to get up when they've been shot in the head and the chest and the neck and the back, but somehow they both were able to evade him. And at this point, I think it's important to remember that both of these guys were deep in the woods. It's late at night and they're both in critical condition and kind of disoriented. Yeah. So much so that Sean's sight started to go out. So apparently Scott took the steering wheel while Sean operated the gas and the brake pedals. Oh my God. As they continued to drive out of the Appalachian woods. And the two finally made it back to civilization. And they stopped at the nearest house. The homeowner, who was understandably freaked the hell out, immediately called 911. And Sean and Scott were flown to the nearest hospital. And by some sort of miracle, they both survived and lived to this day. And the next day, police told Sean that the man who tried to kill them was not a guy by the name of Ricky Williams, but it was Randall Lee Smith, the man whose name was synonymous with the murders he committed years before. Wow. In fact, his 1981 murders were only two miles from where he attempted his 2008 attack. Police also told Sean that after he and Scott fled... Randall Lee Smith stole Scott's truck and attempted to flee the police who by this point were pursuing him and hot on his trail. But during the pursuit, he crashed the truck and the crash basically obliterated the vehicle, leaving it completely destroyed and leaving Randall Lee Smith very badly wounded. Now, he was treated at a local hospital in Roanoke for fatal crash-related injuries. Several days later, he was subsequently arrested and charged with two counts of capital murder, and he was then moved to a new hospital at a jail where he died on May 10th of an apparent blood clot. Just kind of a tragic tale of a guy who was clearly messed up in the head and somehow the justice system decided to let him go. I don't know if they truly believed he was rehabilitated or they just wanted to get him off their books or what, but obviously he should have never been 
let out in the first place. I can't confirm this, but there was also another website that I was looking into that said he had a stash that was nearby where the attempted murders took place. And there was a lot of weird stuff there. Some weird books. His GED was there. And also a tape recorder with a bunch of satanic seances and stuff. And some people believe that the attempted murder was some sort of satanic ritual that he was trying to practice. Now, again, that hasn't been confirmed and he's dead. So it's hard to say what he was actually up to, but worth mentioning anyway. Yeah. Despite the tragedy, both of them, the Appalachian Trail remains a popular destination for hikers and outdoor enthusiasts. It was kind of a thing that served as a reminder that there are risks associated with exploring remote areas, but also that there's a lot of rewards going out there, immersing yourself in nature and experiencing kind of the beauty of the natural world. The murders of Robert Mountford and Laura Ramsey are always going to be a sad chapter in the history of the trail, but they also serve as kind of a reminder of the need to be vigilant wherever you are, even when you're out in the wilderness. I mean, for the most part, when you're out there, probably more vigilant of a bear attack or something, not a human, but as we always say, humans are the most dangerous animal. And if folks want to talk about this episode or any of our previous episodes, they can always find us on our socials. Yeah, do that because I'm also going to put up a poll on how you say Appalachian. Or Appalachian. Just to see. Um, Yeah, so come hang out. The poll is probably going to be on Instagram, so make sure you visit our Instagram page that is at Unnatural the Podcast. We also have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Um, if you have any ideas of cases that you would like to hear us cover, please let us know by sending us a Gmail at unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page set up. You can come hang out with us there, support the podcast, see a bunch of cool behind-the-scenes content. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. And we will talk to you guys next week. In the meantime, be sure you make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. Not exactly the nickname you'd you'd aspire to have. Hey, what's your name? Lion Randall. Oh, that's weird. I wonder why you're called that. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was just dumb and he didn't realize that it was lying. Like he's a lying liar who constantly lies through his lying liar hole. And instead, he was like, rawr, like king of the jungle lion. Oh, like a lion, like a, like a beast. 
Yeah, like like a lion, Randall. Like okay, a I get it. Cowardly lion. I just have water, but I have it in a cool cup that my sister got me. May the forties be with you. Because you're forty now. Yeah. Do yeah. you feel it? Yes. Do you feel very <laughs> yeah. middle aged almost? Yeah, I found I found a new gray hair. I don't have any on my head yet, I don't think, but I found one right in the middle of my mustache a few days ago, like right after I turned 40. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of gray hair on my head, but I did find one in my eyebrow the other day, so that was cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So That's kind of, yeah, I mean, well, your hair is probably going gray before mine because you've dyed it so many times. I have dyed don't it. Don't they say that that's, isn't that the case sometimes? I don't At least know. That's, well, that's the old wives' tale that I've heard. I have died of a lot. I have two children. And I have no children. That's why I barely have any gray hair. Yeah, see... Even though I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> Less stress. determined that that was indeed a lie not a shocker what's that show Maury are you thinking of Maury oh yeah the lie detector determined the lie detector determined that, that was, was a lie, lie. Yes. <laughs> I think he finally retired I think so too he's been doing that since I was like a little kid you are not the father yeah he did that too he was I always thought he was like Jerry Springer light yeah. Like, he wasn't quite on the craziness level of Jerry Springer, but he wasn't far off. Right. Call me now for your free reading. 